Okay, good morning. We're going to get started, and I want to apologize right away that I'm not Matt Deason. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I could have wore some shorts and a t-shirt and uh, maybe some flip-flops or something and been, done a good job, uh, but uh, Matt is actually at SOMA, and I'm glad he didn't announce that last week that he was going to be gone because then everybody could be, would have been there and I would have been here with my wife, although she, she, she's very, very um, uh, committed to me, and so she might have come, uh, but I'm excited with what we're going to share. And I'm excited for a couple of reasons. One, and maybe this is dangerous if you know me, this is a pet peeve what I'm going to share about. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, and, and in the last, I'd say in the last mm, maybe eight, nine years, I wish I could share this, what I'm going to share today in every church in America. Um, and there's a few churches, including one that, that a few of us that are here now left a few years ago. Um, I would have, I, and I came close to sharing something like this in the middle of a service, interrupting the pastor. I mean, this is how, how important and how strong I feel about it. I didn't do that, probably because I wasn't supposed to. I'm, I'm, I'm believing that. Diana keeps saying, no, you were not supposed to. Um, so, um, but, it, this is, but it, at the same time, this is not as much of a corrective, probably, for this church um, as it is for our culture at large. But what we're going to share um, can apply to all of us. Um, the, the title is that, is, is that you, Holy Spirit? Is that you, Holy Spirit? How many of you believe you've heard from the Holy Spirit at some point? How many of you have heard something or thought something or whatever, had somebody share with you? You're not sure. How many of you heard something wrong or weird? Okay. So, so it's a legitimate question. I'm going to start with a story. It was early March, and some of you know this story in little pieces or maybe the whole story. Some of you have never heard the story. But it's, it's one of the best stories in our life. Early March, 11 years ago, I went for a five-mile run, um, literally from North Central High School over there, and went on a five-mile run. And when I came back from the five-mile run, I stepped into the parking lot, and a teacher who was a friend of mine walked out of the door, and she, a she asked me a question that had 10 words, 10 simple words. And I thought in that question, at that moment, that it was the Spirit of God speaking through her. If it was, that question could lead to some changes in our life that would radically change our, my life. Radically. Radically change our family's life. Change other people's lives. Or it could put us in a position, if, we, if it was wrong, if it wasn't the Holy Spirit, of overextending yourself or doing something foolish or doing something damaging. Um, and, and so we needed to know. The question was this. Very simple. Hey, Kelly, do you want to take a kid in? If God was speaking, it could change us. But was it God? Or was it something that just popped into my head? Or if it wasn't somebody, uh, God kind of speaking in, in his spirit. If it was someone maybe at church service, somebody who came in who was a speaker or who, who had a gift of prophecy and they said something over me, what do I do with that? How do I know? If it is the Holy Spirit, what do I do with it? We're in a joint series now with Soma called The Ghost. 
Sounds scary. Knowing and trusting God, the Holy Ghost. Towards the end of his life, Jesus tells his closest followers the disturbing news that he's going to be leaving them. But he tells them not to be afraid. For it is to their advantage that he goes away. What a, what a strange thing. Most of us would trade having Jesus in the flesh with us. But he said it's better that he goes away. What could be better than him staying? What is better that he's going to be sending, he promised he's going to send the Holy Spirit who will be with everyone and will continue to teach, remind them, and even empower them to do greater works than he did. So last week, Matt challenged us with this idea of practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. Listening to the Holy Spirit. I think of it like tuning into an old-fashioned radio that is kind of barely you get it. And then you kind of, it gets off and you have to go, is that, what, is that the station I want to listen to? Who's done that? Some of the old people done that before. Okay, it's not Spotify. It's a little, it works different. And, and so we have to kind of tune in. We have to listen. Is that God or not? The scripture we're going to use this morning is Matthew 14, 25. If you want to open your phone or your Bible, if you're, if you're a real Christian, then it's one of these things, and we read this. If we can turn to that. All of this I've spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. In there is a, is, is a whole bunch of powerful instruction, I believe, about how we hear the Holy Spirit and how we discern. T today is really about the question of discernment. Last week was about the goal to tune in, to listen, to open our ears, to be sensitive to the Spirit. Today is about discernment. Is that you, Holy Spirit? Is that you? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would, uh, just through your word, through this message this morning, that you would give us greater discernment, greater desire to test everything, to cling, hold on to that which good is good, and to throw away that which is, which is not from you. And I pray that you would give us deeper insight and deeper confidence in you and your ability to speak. Amen. So, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. So, like, it's, it's, this is all about discerning. <laughs> and hopefully there's those in our midst. And you did it. Fantastic. I, I thought it might fly over everybody. But there's a sister who is checking the word to see if what I say is true. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably it is because Diane and I are in Matthew. We've been working through the book of Matthew. I may have done it after this. I don't know. Okay, so um, I don't know if you know this. Well, you probably do. But on one hand, we have a whole faction of the church, not this church, but the church, that uh, does, uh, does not believe that the Holy Spirit or God's, God's ability to speak by his spirit or work through his spirit in, in the present. It should not be trusted because they believe we have the Bible 
The Bible is the word of God, and, and we can trust that, but we dare not listen to other, other voices. On the other end of the spectrum, you have some of us charismatics who believe that God can speak. And, but sometimes they may, we may follow every feeling or desire or YouTube prophet as God's sure and binding revelation. I've had clients numerous times who are in my office who are strong believers, and God's used them at times, and then they've heard a, has some word, and they've followed it, and it seems like it's right, and then they follow it long after there's all kinds of mounting evidence that's not wrong, it's not healthy. That's not right. That's right. There's another sister. This is so good. Good practice. <laughs> and, so, and so, but they hang on to it. Who's known somebody like that? Who's been there, maybe? You hang on to it. <clears throat> we hang on to it. So how do, we, how do we avoid that trap? How do we know it's truly the Spirit speaking? Is it our flesh? Or is it the enemy? Or is it dinner from last night? How can we be safe from deception? And if it is the Lord, what do we do with it? Because there's another question. What if we, if 100% of it's God, what do we do with it? Before we were dating, God spoke to me very, very clearly. In a moment, I felt it was God and said, that was the mother of your children that spoke that. I was sitting next to Diana. That was a word from God. And so I told her, we weren't dating yet, and I said, Diana, God just spoke to me, and he said, that was the mother of your children. By the authority of God, you should marry me. No, I did not do that. <laughs> that would not be wise nor respectful. And she, I could guarantee if you know her very well, she would have said, Come out of him in the name of Jesus, or something like that. <laughs> so how do we handle it with wisdom? Well, what's great is this scripture, there's another scripture too we're going to use to tie in with the scripture this morning. Um, that's so fantastic. Matt, I know he's sharing this because we talked about this. Out of Thessalonians, and this I believe is Thessalonians, if we show this scripture. It says, do not treat, pros Thank you. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But test them all. Hold on to what is good and, and a little more. But I, I really like this from the, the message version. Don't suppress the spirit and don't stifle those who have a word from the master. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what is good. Throw out anything tainted with evil. So number one, so in terms of you're taking notes like my wife does, number one. This is the next slide. Number one, test the truth with the word. I should hear an amen. Thank you. Test this, the, the, the spirit with the word. Does it line up? Um, the Holy Spirit that we're talking about is also earlier in, in John. This is John 14. Um, it's called the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of truth, not the spirit of goosebumps. It's the spirit of truth. Not the spirit of emotion. It's a spirit of truth. I wasn't going to do all this, but I'm doing it right now. Does it line up with the word of God? That's the question. Now, 
The next slide is going to show you the verse, going back to our original verse, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So, this, so Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will teach them all things. I believe that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to show you new things. He's not only going to remind you of everything he taught, but to show you. I, um, Diana and I are big believers in what we call Discovery Bible Study. We meet a lot, and we read the same section of Scripture, often journaling, and then we, I share, we share with each other, what do you get? What do you get? Sometimes we don't take the time to write. Sometimes we just share. We do this a lot, and it amazes me after reading the book of Matthew for the 35th time or 100th time or something in the Sermon on the Mount that I memorized years ago. I find a section of Scripture, and I see something in there that I've never seen before, a connection and so forth. How many have seen that? How did that happen? It's because the Word of God is living and active and sharper than the two-edged sword and is able to go down down deep into the thoughts and, and judge the thoughts and intents of your heart. It's, it's powerful. So the word, and by the way, the um, kind of the, 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 the Bible uh, people, the, the, the people who are really committed to the word of God, but not the spirit, they've got this part right. The word of God is the most sure thing that we could trust. So if you hear the spirit, it should line up with the word of God. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would, but he, he, so he can give us new insight, new connections, new application. However, it should always be in the context of what has already been taught. Now, it hit me th with this. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I made a mistake, come up to Matt, and I told him some things I was, I was seeing about the Holy Spirit and the connection to Jesus and the Father in John 14, and he liked it, and he said, well, can you preach in a couple weeks? So you got to be careful if you tell your pastor things you see. Now, who was this message in John 14 to? The disciples. Did they know the teachings of Jesus? Three years with him. This message is for the disciples. Now, he spoke a lot of things to the crowds, but this is specifically for the disciples, and the Spirit will bring remembrance, and I think this is a challenge. If you want the Holy Spirit to speak to you in ways that you have the discernment to know if it's the Spirit or not, and to not get off track, then you better be a person of the Word. And there should be as much effort of listening to the Spirit as, you, as to knowing the Word. That's balance and safety. And I believe, um, for myself, a lot of times the way that God speaks to me is through the Word. I'm praying for somebody and a scripture comes to me. Who's experienced that? Now, it's not the only way the Spirit could speak, but it, it's the sure way. The Bereans received the message with great eagerness. Now, I love this. They weren't cynical, sitting in shirts like, I don't know about this. I remember when I was a kid and I heard something like this. The Bereans received what Paul taught eagerly, and then they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Here's the Apostle Paul. And they were hanging on every word, and then they're going home and says, you know, what do you think? Was that right or not? That is what Christians should be doing. And I wish I could, could have preached this, especially back before 2015, back in this other church, and could have hammered it, 
and challenge people and challenge them. Don't listen to anybody from the pulpit without testing it. Test everything. Because if they would have done that, this church we had to leave, many people would have left that church like some of us did. Because the teaching started to be off of Scripture, started to, started to skip over Scripture, started to rewrite Scriptures. You guys follow me? And I challenged the leadership, and I had to write a whole dissertation to challenge the leadership, but they got defensive, and they were worried about how I was going to hurt the church. You, you follow me? Now, whether, whether I, what I, my perspective is valid, you'd have to know the, the situation, and that's okay. That's, that's not the point here, but we should always be doing that. Paul tells the Galatians, listen to this, even if an angel or from heaven or we, we are, the phrasing is, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach any other gospel, let him or us be accursed. That's pretty cool, and I love that. I think every preacher should, you know, start their message. It's almost like, if you hear anything I say that's from any other gospel, let me be accursed. Okay? Rather than, I have the word. Now listen to me. By the way, the, the, one of the clear clear um, signs that somebody is moving away from following the Spirit and is getting into error and is dangerous is they, they uh, call people and demand that people follow their teaching or their group. And, 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 and if you start to challenge them, they will, get, they will attack you. Rather than welcoming, Paul welcomed. Bring it on, please. And for a humble teacher who's not an apostle, we should always be saying, please, show me, correct me in the little bit of error. Diana the other day corrected me on some little thing that I was preparing this message. She said, well, really? That was good. Okay, now, the Word of God. But, but sometimes we get visions, pictures. Who has God speak to him now or there? Matt says he gets spoken, and I know I've heard it. He, God gives him pictures. How do we know that's right? Prophecies. Well, it should still line up with the Word of God. Now, I'm going to go back to the story about this question. I have been, how do I know it was from God? Well, for one thing, I have been meditating on a scripture, uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, for three days. I was trying to, I was trying to memorize this every day and, and pray about it. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly beloved children, and live a life of love even as Christ loved us and laid down his life as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so literally, this is what happened in that story. I had been that particular day, I was really thinking about the idea of living a life of sacrifice, and I started praying, God, are we living a life of sacrifice, my wife and I? Our kids were gone. We didn't have any kids in the home. I wasn't coaching anymore. We had more time. It was awesome. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, am I living a life of sacrifice? Show me as I stepped into the parking lot and the teacher came out and said, hey, Kelly, you want to take your kid in? It was one of those few moments where it was like, it almost knocked me to the ground. How many could see that? It was just like at the right, right at the same time I'd been pondering this and here's an opportunity. So I went up to the girl the next day, girl named Sarah. And I said, Sarah, God just told me that you're going to come and live with us. No, I did not. <laughs> you guys are good. <laughs> okay. Now, so what do we do? So what do we do? 
we test, and I, and I had that scripture maybe highlighted, which was maybe up. Number two, though, and by the way, one I just talked about, just so you know, um, about the word, um, I spend less time in the others, okay? Because that was so important. Number two, we should test truth of facts and events. It's a spirit of truth. And I believe that the church in America, so many Christians have left this, and, and I know the reasons, but I believe in this, this idea Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. So everything we teach should be true. Not just like biblical, but true. I'm talking about facts, events. I love this axiom I heard years ago. All truth is God's truth. What do you mean? I heard a professor over, you know, this teaching this weird theory or whatever. You know, I, I'm not saying that everything is taught as true. All, all true reality is God's truth. Christians should not be anti-science, anti-history, anti-psychology, or any other anti any other ology that that has some legitimacy. But Christians should be anti-bad science, anti-inaccurate history. Or twisted psychology. Let's follow. There was a Christian author who wrote a history book a few years ago about Thomas Jefferson, and that fit kind of the narrative of conservative Christians. And he became like a like a folk hero, and, and, and continued to be invited again and again to speak at big conferences and everything. Even though his book by scholars, by Christian scholars, had been refuted and been exposed as full of errors and, and inaccuracies. What should, I read the book, I thought it was pretty good. And then I read about some of these other things, these, and I realized, okay, I'm not gonna use the stuff that's in the, okay, you guys follow me? We should reject that, even if it fits our narrative, because we wanna tell the truth. Deuteronomy 8, 20, 18, 22 says, if what, what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that, that, is, the message, that is the message that the Lord has not spoken. Now, that applies to prophecies about the future, but in the same sense, should we believe conspiracies that are not true? No. Rumors? Should we be spreading rumors? Well, I heard that, you know, no. Gossip? No. How many guys follow this? I think we should be, especially in this day and age, we need to be really careful being sure about what we've heard. And it might be true, but, but we've got to be very careful. So, what do we do with, with this thing? Her name is Sarah. What do we do with this thing I heard? I thought I, I mean, it seemed like, okay? Well, one of the things we did was we started finding out more about it. What's the situation? And I'm not going to go into the details, but she was in a foster home, and it was her third foster home, and then they were going to be leaving, and she was, uh, um, had been asked the courts to take her out of her original home, her family, because of issues, and um, it's called child in need of services, and so the court system um, it wasn't a foster situation, but they appoint guardians. We looked more and more into it, talked to her counselor, talked to the situation. We tried to find out what was true. How many get that idea? Tried to test it. Point number three. We want to test the balancing of truth and grace. Jesus came with truth and grace. Truth and grace. We can, and there are Christians that make the error of valuing truth over grace. How many get that idea? Or the hour of grace, the, uh, the error of grace over truth. The church we had to leave, they were embracing grace, grace 
love, acceptance, everything to the point where they were open to anything, even if it was anti-biblical. But we can go the other way. We can hold on to truth and be so narrow and lose our edge of grace. And we become harsh and mead and narrow and bigoted. And we're not following the way of Christ. We don't represent Christ. What has been most disturbing to me over the last few years is that so many Bible-believing Christians have chosen this narrow, angry path is, near, near, is neither gracious nor actually committed to the whole truth of the kingdom. This happens, by the way, when we're obsessed by one area. So, so much obsessed by one area might be abortion. Or, or on the other side, it might be racism or something. But we're obsessed in one area so much that we leave the balance points. You seen that happen? And, and we got to be careful because we, we, we need to be following and, and judging under the whole um, of Scripture. We become Pharisees that tithe mint and dill and reject the very Messiah that they've been praying for. I've never seen so much deception in the church. I'm reading a book like right, right now that breaks my heart about the deception. And I, and I thought about bringing the book, and I thought about sharing the book. And if you want to ask me afterwards, you can, you can, you can talk to me about it. But at the same time, I, I, I don't want the focus to be the book. I want the focus to be just on this principle of discernment. But there's so much fear and deception and hanging on to something, and battling for power, that, we've lost, that we actually are undermining the faith. I believe the greatest, the greatest, um, <clears throat> the, the, the greatest error of the, of the church in this time in, in this country, the greatest threat, has not been the atheist. It's been believers who are preaching and, and demonstrating half the gospel or less, who've lost, who are not demonstrating Christ. People aren't rejecting Christ because people are so Christ-like. They're rejecting Christ because we are so Christ-unlike. Four, test the fruits of the Spirit. Test the fruits of the Spirit. I call this the taste and smell test. You get out some milk, you've had that same gallon of milk for a while, and you pour it on your syrup, which I love every morning, and you put the spoon up, and like something doesn't smell right. Who's been, been there? We should do that every, in a, in, to use this analogy, every time we take a glass of milk, right? How does it smell? Yeah, and by the way, this is a great analogy because that milk at one time was good, but something got in it, okay? Bacteria started to to, to pervert, twist the nature of that milk and start to add some poison. And by the way, in movements of Christ and in, um, oh, in, in, in things in history with the church, this has often happened. Something that's good, a revival or, or a teacher, a, a, a preacher, um, a, a prophet, whatever, a leader has, has been good uh, and, and right on and people are following and then there's something, often pride gets in there. We should be projecting and demonstrating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's such a good test 
not only for whether the word is true, but am I delivering it in the right spirit? We not only need to see if the word fits these fruits, but if we are carrying it this way. I had a client one time, years ago, and uh, he was in my office like the second time, and he had a lot of anger issues. And I was praying for him, and I got a picture like a Matt Decent thing. I was praying for him at the end, and I got a picture of a porcupine. Part of it made some logical sense because of kind of his, as he walks into the room, how he came across. And I told him, I said, you know, I was praying for you. I got this picture. And I also kind of weighed before the Lord, is this right? But I felt like the, the message was a porcupine is kind of cute. And it's kind of harmless. They don't go very fast. But they're prickly. How many get that? <laughs> um, so I was weighing, did it, was it an insult? I didn't think so, but I don't know. But here's what I do when I feel like I have a word for somebody, and I think we should all do. I, I offered it to him to weigh and judge, right? So I said, does that mean anything? Now, maybe I would have had, you know, I saw a T-Rex or I saw a snake. You know, I saw a rattlesnake, you know. <laughs> you know, I don't think that sounds like something. You know what happened? I shared that, and, and he came, and he, um, he responded. He shook his head. He said, that's crazy. I said, what do you mean? He said, that's the, that's the nickname my mom used to use for me when I was a little boy. Because my hair stood up. <laughs> now, what did this guy hear? It was a word, but what was the fruit of it? What he heard was, I see you. I know you. I love you. You are lovable. I mean, that's what he heard. The mental picture spoke to him. Okay? That was the fruit. So, but I didn't have to push that on him. He received that. Our verse promises the Spirit will, um, also that will be in us, will give us peace. It should produce peace. We can be deceived, though. And by the way, in studying deception, one of the biggest reasons that people get deceived and whole groups get deceived is they're looking at fruit, but they're looking at the wrong fruit. Jesus said, not fruit as the world gives. What's the fruit the world gives? Money, fame, numbers. The church is growing. We're getting media exposure. The, the money's pouring in. But 2 Timothy says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes we can have the right word, but we don't carry it out right. Remember Abraham had a word for God, a sure word for God. But after, I don't know, 40 years or however long it was, he kind of got impatient, like, okay, I got to get this to work out. God hadn't told him that, right? And I could use all, all kinds of examples. We need to receive the word, and then we need to weigh it and be careful. It should carry the sense of gentleness, of love, of graciousness, the fruits of the Spirit, when we share with somebody. 
when we did, at a later stage, we asked Sarah. We said, we got met with the counselor, and we said, and the counselor talked to her first, and I talked to her in, her, in the office, but then she and the counselor came over to our, our home, had dinner. But we really put it in her hands. What do you think? How do you feel? Do you feel safe? She walked into the bedroom that she would use, and she came out. She said, this is like a, a bedroom for a princess. She'd never had, like, her own room. Finally, last one, we're almost done. The test of the body. The test of marriage and the body. In the Old Testament, you know, the single prophet would kind of call the shots. But in the New Testament, the model was the body, was the leadership. I believe in marriage especially, we are supposed to submit one to another, and we are supposed to come to agreement. I, I have this conviction, some people may disagree biblically, but I think it's safe and I think it's wise. That, um, and, and I've learned this from mistakes in the past. But if I think I hear something from God or Dinah thinks she hears something, we're not going to move on it. We're committed to not moving on unless we both get it. I heard this thing first. I didn't go home and tell Diana. I said, guess what? We're going to take a girl in. I submitted to her. I said, I, I don't know. This is what happened. And we started praying about it. I was not going to try to push her or manipulate her, even though I felt very strongly. And so what we do, we prayed about it, and we took it to our pastor. We took the idea to our children even. We took it to our parents. And, you know, everybody said, this is beautiful. In fact, I don't know if it was before we took her in or right after, but a neighbor who's behind our, our fence, on the other side of a fence, we were talking to her about it, and she said this, and maybe prophetically she said, she, you are going to save her life. She even affirmed it. And as we prayed for it more and more, taking it to God more and more, finally it got to be the point where we were kind of, I was afraid that maybe something would happen and somebody else would get her. Okay? My heart was changing to be desiring this change. So we submitted. We submitted it. And then finally, as a confirmation, one night we're getting pretty close to kind of sealing the deal. And we looked at, and I, and I was looking at this for a scripture about something. And then again, the word of God comes in. And I saw this scripture that I was, I'd heard maybe, but I wasn't familiar in Psalm 68. God is a father to the fatherless and puts the lonely in families. That's his character. And what we were asked, thinking about doing wasn't. Uh, starting a business, not that God could, couldn't show us that either, but it was doing something to the heart of God, right? And there again, the Word of God gives us boundaries, and people had shared that. And so we had this opportunity. And so when we took her in, and we felt like the Lord also shared with us that she had been through so much, and, and families, one family caused, told her they'd had her for six weeks, and because of whatever happened, they told her, they called the school and said, we can't have her anymore. It's too hard. We can't have her anymore. And so they packed her stuff and put it on the porch and said, We're, you know, she needs to have somebody come and get her, bring her and get her stuff because she can't come into the home anymore. So when we took her in, we felt like we didn't tell her. We felt like it was adoption. 
by, by God's call, and we told her, as long as you want to be a part of this family, you're in this family. And we also knew that it was going to be harder than we, we, we expected. But, it, but I believed it was going to be more beautiful. And it was both. Especially in the beginning, it was hard. Hard, hard, hard. 90% hard, 10% good. And then it got 70% hard, 30% good. And pretty soon it flipped over and it was more good than hard. And then it became beautiful. <laughs> and she lived with us seven out of the next eight years. And she graduated with a... <laughs> She, was failing. she wasn't going to graduate high school, and she had to graduate from Whitworth with, with like a 3.7 or something. Shows how easy Whitworth is. No. <laughs> I was thinking of Hannah when I said that, actually. <laughs> no, and she's brilliant, and she's one of the closest people in my life. She's a daughter. And it was God's word coming out of me studying his word. How many you see that? I believe God will open doors where we're immersed in his word and we're immersed in his spirit and we're listening, but then we test it. So, two years ago, maybe three years ago, she met an amazing young man, Christian young man. They started dating. They got more and more serious. And then at Christmas time, two years ago, I got to do this. My dad was reminded about this this morning. He's 93, and he says, oh, I remember when you and Sarah came down the aisle, and you were beaming as a father. God puts the lonely in families, and he's a father to the fatherless. And who knows what other things he's got in store for us, what he's got in store for you, and it may be totally different from this story. But God wants to move in us when we listen to him, when we discern, and we're careful to follow these things. Lord, I just thank you for this time this morning. I just pray that you would help us to trust in your spirit, but to be discerning too, and to seek you, and to listen to you. Amen.